while your day is winding down. They're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day. From local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard. To listen. And where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. tonight i'm marcus hey marcus i'm chris <laughs> nice to meet you <laughs> so i thought it was a really good debate i thought it was a great debate i thought both candidates did really well so did i i i thought that both of them gave very clear answers yeah. marcus which is a nice change right yeah sometimes it, people obscure what they want to say yeah i don't think they obscured it at all no the thing is is these guys are they're lawyers well that's true yeah. that's true so um you even asked the uh my favorite question, which is, what are you afraid of the other opponent if your opponent wins? Um, that is my favorite question. Um, and um, Marcus and I talked about it before the debate. He goes, should we answer that? Ask that? I go, yeah, absolutely ask that question, right? Um, they didn't jump to the way, to the bait the way some people do who are less experienced. But as Marcus pointed out, they're both trial lawyers. Um, they were both very measured. They understood that they were appealing to you folks at home and that you're not going to vote for somebody who's acting uh, wild or any of that stuff. So um, I did, I did, uh, I did, um, so. I was very impressed with both of them um, as candidates because we've, we've met them before. We had, um, my mom's here. She brought, uh, she brought us Halloween. This is beautiful. She brought us Halloween candy. Oh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> we appreciate it. Now you can hear me chewing on the air. Yeah. She brought us pop. So actually, outside, outside my house uh, and outside her house, we have uh, popcorn machines. That's very nice. Yeah. I like that. That's a healthy snack. Yeah. For yeah. the kids. The um, show, Marcus, I was telling the audience that um, I was impressed with both of them. Um, I thought um, they gave the voters a real difference, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're... If you're listening to both of them, you're not confused. Right. Right? You're not going, yeah, I'm not sure who I'm going to vote for. You know, because, listen, I, you know, we had our debate. There was another debate before, uh, a week before. It was exactly seven days ago today. And I think we gave them a better opportunity to really go at each other a little yes. bit more. You know, to really, to really um, accentuate those differences. I told the audience, Marcus, as you're outside getting us a popcorn, that... Um, we love that question. Yeah. What are you afraid of your opponent wins? Right? <laughs> yeah. It's my favorite now, question. Right? Now, neither one of them, as I said, they didn't get crazy the way we hope that candidates would, but we knew we weren't gonna, they weren't going to do that, both trial lawyers. Um, yeah. But there is a real difference between the two. Yeah, I think so. Um, you at home um, hopefully picked up on uh, that. Like I said, I think there's a lot of mirrors uh, from uh, – there's a lot of – 
like a a lot of comparisons to the Bristol County DA's race. The the two the the two biggest county races down here in the South Coast, really the the Bristol uh, Sheriff's race and the Bristol, uh, I mean the Plymouth DA's race, really show two starkly different candidates with different visions and different supports uh, support behind them. So I, I think you know. And a lot of money in both races. Big time. <laughs> you know, a lot of money in both races. And well, I'm, I'm glad we were able to provide this service to Plymouth County. Me too. Um, we have a big Plymouth County audience. Yeah, Marion, Rochester, Mattapoisett, Marion. Uh, sorry, sorry, Marion, Matter, uh, the Tri-Town. Right. Um, Marion, Mattapoisett, Rochester, Wareham, Middleborough, Carver, Plymouth, right? We, uh, Lakeville, Lake, Rochester, Lakeville, yeah. Lakeville, Rochester. So, we, um, yeah, we were enthusiastic about it because we had both candidates on. Uh, earlier in the in the election season, they were both great. They were both fun interviews. They're both very easy to work with. Yeah, yeah, both very easy. Exactly, they're both very easy to talk to because you know they have really interesting experiences. So um, we decided, you know, we got to feature this race, especially for you know because we see that we see that when people app chat message us, they're from you know we got Mattapoisett, Carver, etc. And you know we know where our we're, we know where our satellite hits and it hits right. in those areas. We have right. a huge Plymouth County audience, so we wanted you guys to be introduced to your DA. And it's still important, even if you listen, you live in Bristol County. It's still important who's the DA in your bordering county. It certainly know? is. And both of them, by the way, as I think it was good radio, and they're mm-hmm. both very interesting. Yeah. You know, I sat here as the only non-lawyer, listening intensely, right? That's why a couple of times I just had to correct, say, just ask a follow-up, because I yeah. just didn't, I, I didn't get it, but but um, they were both very... Well, that was the other thing I wanted to do, is I, I, I'd hoped, and I hope, we made a lot of the concepts we talked about digestible for a broader audience, and I think we did. It was, um, no, very nice, and again, they both had nice staff, people mm-hmm. with them. They had, yeah, right? they had very nice staff, yeah. So, um they they made their time for us. They were both gentlemen. I I thought, um, as I said, I think they gave a very clear understanding of who they are and what their, their philosophy is. Yeah. Yes, I I agree. And um, you know, it's it's just like, and two really strong candidates too. It, like the whole, it's just such an interesting race. It's just such a fascinating race. One that I don't think is covered enough, honestly. And so. We were we were happy to cover it. You know, there's some Boston media outlets that are kind of just catching on to it, right? Right, and we've been we've been sort of behind it the the whole time. Um, and the podcast actually is it should already be up. Uh, it might okay. be up in a few minutes. I just uploaded it uh, a few minutes ago, so it's on wbsm.com. You can check it out. It's commercial free. I'll of course have a column tomorrow. You know, some with just basically a broad overview of, of what happened. But you really should if you're if you're just tuning in now. You should go back and listen to it, the Plymouth County DA's debate. It was really something. So, 508. There was that below-the-surface tension. Yeah, yes. Right? Yeah, yeah. In, instead of the um, the above-the-surface tension in the, uh, in in the, the sheriff's in the sheriff's, in the sheriff's debate, that was very above-the-surface. Um, volcanic, uh, yes. one would say, actually. <laughs> I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> so above-the-surface, it was volcanic. So um, so it, there was, and they, they but they were... It's it, they were measured in the way that they criticized each other, and I thought that made it for for the sheriff's race. I feel like it's a little different because you got these guys that want to be like the sheriff, and it has that sort of aura to it, like that kind of tough guy stuff or whatever. Right. Da, like you're 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 a lawyer, you're a yes. trial lawyer. You want to be measured. You want to be you know um, precise and you know basically like like you are if you're in a trial, right? You want to be measured, precise, and get your point across, but get it across in a very digestible and understandable way, and I think they did that. The other thing, that I thought they were able to make it entertaining. 
while still recognizing they are limited to what they can say yeah. about cases and things like that. Yeah, that was that that is tough. Um, and I know there was there was a there was a few cases that were brought up. Um, there was a couple. Uh, one, uh, uh, you know, that I guess it was uh, conf- conflicted out, which kind of interested in. But uh, there was another one uh, that's still open, and that's tough to, you know, it's tough to op- uh, talk about open cases, and especially, you know, you don't know where it's going to go. So, I, again, as, as the only non-lawyer here, I thought I understood, but I wasn't quite sure, Marcus. He was saying that they just handled the opening of the case, and then they transferred it to another office. Is that what happened? The domestic violence of Shauna Fabiano. Okay. That was a case that was apparently conflicted out. Okay. So yeah. that means another DA's office handled it. Yeah. So that would be like when Quinn brought in a special prosecutor for the Hugh Dunn case. Mm-hmm. That kind of like what we're talking about? Pretty much, yeah. Except okay. instead of bringing in a, in a special prosecutor, they just they, they sent it somewhere else. Okay. Because I didn't want to ask the question. That, that, but I figured everyone at home was in the same seat I was. That, that happened with another uh, political candidate that I don't want to bring up, uh, but... That uh, that lost already, um, but uh, but that that was a case that was talked about in the campaign trail, um, that was uh, under the jurisdiction of Bristol County, but then kicked to Wareham oh. Court. Yeah. Yes. All right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't want. I just don't want to keep bringing it up. Right. Yeah. Right. So uh, that that that's that's actually it's it's a fairly common thing. I don't know why. I don't know what the conflict was, and that could be, you know, the person knows, you know, the person knows somebody at the DA's office. Maybe they. I don't know. You know, there could be a number of reasons. Yes. Maybe they worked there before. Maybe they worked for somebody. Yeah. There could be a number of reasons why, um, you know, could the, you know, I, you know, like I said, I can't speculate. Right. Right. But, but basically the point was we didn't handle the case and that's what his answer was. But at first I was like, what's he talking about? Yeah. Then I, I took a little bit, but I understood what he meant. Yeah. But I figured at home people might not have understood because I didn't understand it right, <laughs> right. away. Yeah. So, uh, and if you want to hear that again, if you want to just hear their answers on that case again, you can definitely go check out the podcast on WBSM.com. Um, so, uh, five, Mark, yeah, I was going to say, I'm yeah, curious five, what your home thought if you're, Yeah, if you want to call, <coughs> we're opening the phone lines now. If you want to call in at 508-996-0500, let us know. And uh, again, it's available for you if you're just tuning in and you just missed it. But I thought it was a really good debate. Uh, and it is Halloween today. Just, just very spooky it. night, Marcus. It's a very spooky night uh, here. What's Tim doing? Tim is probably um, drawing a crowd somewhere. Yeah, with his ghostly buddies. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe doing a séance. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, that's probably what he's doing. He's probably doing a séance. <laughs> I think he gets a lot of money for those. Yeah, no, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, no, I, I know. Say the séances are tough to to do. So well, when probably. Tim when Tim starts talking about that stuff, although it's not generally my interest, I get sucked right in because mm-hmm. he really knows what he's talking about, and he really makes it interesting. Uh, that type of stuff, the the the, the supernatural. Right? Yes. Um. I get sucked in because he's so enthusiastic about it. Yeah. That I know he knows, I know he's really into it. Right. So I listen. Me too. Like he, the story you told this morning. Yeah. He does a nice job. Yeah, he sure does. Um, so fi- <coughs> 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the program if you want to call in. I think what we'll do uh, is we'll take a break now. Yep. And then we'll we'll be back. This is South Coast Tonight. <laughs> I'm joking on popcorn. <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> 
I didn't have time for a song. We had to, we just had to go right back into it. So, so here we are. So I'm seeing actually. So welcome to South Coast tonight. Welcome back. I'm Marcus. I'm Chris. And we just had the Plymouth County DA's debate. If you're interested in giving us shooting us a message or giving us a call on that, let us know. Uh, we're actually. I'm just getting some breaking news now. Breaking is about an hour ago. Apparently that economic development bill that was shelved in the formal in the formal sessions in July. So just to like walk people through that, um, there is formal sessions which like run from January to July, right? And Correct. and those are like you go in, you do like actual like your votes, you can do roll call votes and all that stuff, right? You do real stuff. Then once that ends, there's informal session, which is basically everybody's at the state house either on Mon- every Monday and Thursday um, during campaign season, right. and uh, every bill that has to be passed from then on out has to be with unanimous consent. So literally, one person could jam up an entire legislation. Right now, one of those, you know, uh, there was a few good bills done there. It was the gambling bill, right? Um, and the ABC Mental Health Act, there's a few others that had passed the end of that formal session. But one of them uh, that got shelled is the Economic Development Bill, which had a lot of those Baker tax cuts and even more in it. Uh, I'm just seeing, it. you know, this is a tweet from John Keller, who I believe to be a credible source. Yes. Um, Massive economic development deal done on Beacon Hill to be filed tomorrow includes $3 billion in 62F rebates. But no estate or low income tax relief, so I don't know exactly. So I'm, I guess they're not going to uh, tweak. You know, they're not going to tweak the um, estate tax law, uh, estate tax law now. But it says close to seven billion in housing, environmental, energy, uh, environmental energy bill relief, uh, et cetera, et cetera, could be taken up by House. On Wednesday, so seven billion seems like a lot of money. Maybe they're allocating some ARPA money or something like that. It seems like a lot of money, Marcus. They had a five billion dollar surplus, right, or five or six billion dollar surplus. But one legislator could stand up and say, "I object," grinding the whole thing to a halt. Yes. What are the chances that's going to happen? Pretty damn good. Pretty damn good, unless. Unless they counted the vote, I mean, unless they counted the vo- the votes already. You know, I, it's funny. I, I ran into Chairman Rodericks uh, the other day, and I said, "Hey, Governor Baker says you got that bill that's going to be done maybe by the end of the month." It is literally the end of the month, and he said, "I can't say anything that's in conference committee, but you know, stay tuned." Okay. And I guess this is it. I'm interested to know what's in it. I guess the 62F checks are. Like, those are the checks you're going to get. Remember, right. we broke the news here, actually, that you probably weren't going to get the <clears throat> the uh, relief checks that they had planned to get, which was the $500, um, $500 for uh, a married couple. Right? A married couple, two fifty for an individual, uh, $38,000 to $150,000, something like that. Right. So um, now I guess you're going to get the 62F checks, which is the... 13% on your state income tax, basically, right. or whatever that is. You'll get that in the form of a check, and it should be should be mailed out within the month. So Now, I wonder, Marks, and again, it, was, it went on a tweet, so it's limited how much they can tell you. Yeah. 
But I'm wondering if there was any sort of a compromise on the amount of money that's going to be given out. Remember, there was some... Some people had issues with the fact that if you'd paid a lot in income tax, you were going to get a much bigger rebate, which seemed logical to me. But State Rep. Mike Conley, yeah. actually from Cambridge, I had him on the show, and he had an issue uh, He had an issue with it. He actually laid out, uh, it was a very dense discussion about his issues with 62F and how it's been, execu- and right. how it's been executed. And I, I find it hard to believe that the, uh, you know, after having to dole out $3 billion in checks, unexpectedly in a matter of two months that the legislature is going to allow this 36 year old surprise law to uh to continue they will probably try to reform it somehow you know it's only a surprise because people weren't paying attention good point you know i mean it's like you have guys up who are in the legislature when the bill passed when the when the when the bill passed statewide by yeah. a referendum yeah um and i always wonder myself you'd I mean, how did Baker know? You know, so yeah. I mean, well, Baker, Baker, and his dad have been pretty involved in party oh, politics. His dad helped write the write the bill. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that's that's how he knew. But um, but like, how about like Suzanne Bump, the state auditor, maybe picking up the phone and calling Chairman Rodericks or calling Speaker Mariano right. or Karen Spilka and saying, "Hey, hey, uh." You know, we're we're hitting this trend line here where we're going to have to dole out these checks. So right. you might want to chill out for a second right it seems to be because it the auditor is specifically mentioned in this law and she's been the auditor for 10 years now right right so it seems to me more than that three terms i think this is her third term as auditor yeah and, before, and prior to that she was in the legislature and she was in the legislature before that yeah so it seems to me that it's it's on her like i would say that what's amazing marcus is that You've got a lot of bright people up. I know people want to argue. And there's and there's and there's and there's staff too. They have their own council. They right. have right. They have a lot of people that work there that know stuff. But there's been probably a tremendous turnover um, mm-hmm. since that law passed. Oh, today. there definitely has because right. it's 1986, right? right? So yeah, of course. Right. But there are members of the legislature that were there then. A few, a few, yeah. The. Um, I remember during the Senate debate, actually, Marcus, on the, um, it was on the, um, the bill U.S., the dangerous dangerousness bill, bill, right? There was a gentleman who stood up, Democrat, and he was opposed to it. And he started talking about back in the 90s when they passed a lot of this crime bill stuff, right? And he saw what happened. It's a slippery slope, yada, yada, yada. But he started off his talk by saying, I got here in 1976. And I thought to myself, that's funny. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> I've been here since 76. That's quite a while. Right? Yeah. I think he was on the House side originally. Now he's on the Senate side. Right. Yeah. I don't recall his name, but he... Um, and so when he said that, Marks, I thought, that guy should remember. Yeah, right, yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. Because by then, that, that had now come up as an issue. So anyway, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was Supreme Judicial Court jurisprudence on it and everything. It's It, it was quite a thing. Uh you know, like, I, I, I don't know, uh, but it, you're right. It's only a surprise because some, some people didn't know what they should have known. Right. But now that they know it, I just can't see it continuing in its current form. Um, I don't think they're going to allow it. And, you know, the, the thing is, is I thought, so I was listening to Howie Carr and he had Anthony Amore on. I thought he had a really interesting, it's, a, it's probably, you know, I'm not saying I agree with it, but it's probably the best argument 
for Amore at this point, maybe one that could have been made earlier, is it's kind of funny because Howie's not uh, a big fan of Charlie Baker's, but he said you wouldn't be getting those checks if it were full Democratic control in the uh, like you wouldn't be getting those no, checks because no one would no one would know or no one would tell you. No one would tell you. It's yeah. true. It, it, they they would not have given out that money. No. Um. It's it's a, I think a strong argument for I think that's the best argument that could be made for Amore at this juncture. Actually. So I would say that the thing about Amore is that he's not going to be involved in policy. He's going to be involved in auditing various departments and nonprofits. Well, that's I mean that that in and of itself being an elected position is policy. Um, people are policy. Yeah. But he's not going to be voting on abortion. He's not going to be voting on gun control. He's not going to be voting on any of that stuff. No. He's just going to be looking the roles of various agencies, whether they're living up to their constitutional prerogative or not, whether the money is being spent properly by nonprofits, things like that. So if you're wondering why the Globe endorsed him, it's good to safe office that, to endorse. That, well, that's, that's, so here's my thing on that. Um, it's a guilt-free Republican vote yes. for them. Uh, and I feel like a lot of people like want that. They want like a guilt-free Republican vote. Well, you need it. To at least preserve the veneer of independence. <laughs> you can't just go, oh, we want all the Democrats, right? People and, are, people, here's the thing. People are, like, it's almost like everybody's pretending that it wasn't just, like, eight years ago that we didn't have full Democratic control of the of the government. And I just, you know, I don't remember the planet being on fire. What were you doing eight years ago? Uh, I... Eight years ago, I had just graduated from law school. Were you were you measuring the drapes in your new office? <laughs> no, I wasn't. Were you buying a Cadillac? I, uh, eight years ago, during that election, do you I, remember the Cadillac? I do remember the Cadillac. The that new was, drapes. That was that was um, that was two thousand six when he came in, right? Yeah, yeah. I was in high school back then, actually. Yeah, I don't remember it. I remember hearing about it later. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I get it. Right. Right. I get. I get what you're saying. I mean, uh, but Deval Patrick was a. Um, a pro-business Democrat. Okay. He really was. Um, I mean, he works for Bain Capital now. Or at least he did for a time. I don't know what he's doing now. He worked for Coca-Cola before that. Yeah. Well, he left because they were, like, killing people. Well, he stayed for quite a while. He did stay for quite a while, but yeah. I'm sure he didn't get rid of his stock options when he left. <laughs> right? I'm sure he's still, considering what Coca-Cola just recently did, I'm sure he's glad he's still holding Coke. Um I assume he's still holding it. Anyway, the um, you don't get wealthy the, by selling your stock. But anyway, Coca-Cola has been a fantastic stock as of late. Oh, has, has oh, it? Fantastic. So, Any particular reason? Um, the majority of their profits are coming from overseas. People overseas love it. Uh, the dollar. I mean, it's just been a... I mean, I know it's like a blue chip. I just didn't know if there was anything special going on, like they bought something. Well, since they get most of their money from overseas, they're not... They're immune to... This foolish health craze we have here in America, <laughs> where people don't drink soda like they used to. Oh, okay, right? I got you. Yeah, over there in Europe, they're still guzzling it down. Right? Yeah, yeah. In other other growing parts of the world, but anyway, the um, Deval Patrick was a pro business Democrat. Really. Okay. Um, we'll see what happens. You know what's funny? Um, I thought about this. You know, when we talk, whenever we talk about Deval Patrick and his record on business, I remember what. When Romney was running, everybody made Bain Capital a big issue. Right. 
And it's because it's, it's, it's an attractive thing to make a big issue of. Like, he killed KB Toys, right? Well, Ted Kennedy started it. Yeah, yeah, right. It, so, the, so the work was all done. Yeah. The Kennedy machine had come up with it all. And, and but, but like, Deval Patrick at the time was famously reluctant to criticize Bain Capital. Oh, sure. He never did. So, because I, I remember when he got the job, I was like, all right, I got I to gotta see if he said anything about Bain Capital, you know, and he never did. And it no. was actually like on the record that he didn't, right? It was There's he made very a few point. companies he could ever work for that didn't have some connection to Bain. So right. He was smart. Yeah. Right. Um, and by the way, Bain Capital is not that bad of a company. I mean, they do certain things. I remember when Ted Kennedy brought up all those workers that he said Mitt Romney had fired. Mm -hmm. He brought them up here for a visit. Right. Because just for people who don't know, Mitt Romney ran against Ted Kennedy in 96 for the yes. Senate. Yeah. Was it 96 or 94? 94. It was 94 because I was 90, on the ballot with him. Yeah, 96 was... Um, 96 was uh, Kerry. Kerry and Weld. Weld, yeah. You were on the ballot with uh, Mitt Romney? Mitt Romney. Um, I was a delegate to the convention for him. I remember because yeah. people were lobbying me not to vote for him at the convention. Prior to the convention, I was a delegate, right? To, to and I would Instead? Oh, there was a whole raft of candidates. Okay. A ton of them. There was a, there was a, a, a very interesting woman, uh, Mildred Jefferson, who was one of the first female, black females, to graduate from Harvard Medical School. Oh. She was extraordinarily pro-life. She was kind of an interesting lady. She had a big resume, obviously. Okay. She wasn't my candidate, but she had a lot of supporters. Sure. But, but the thing they were attacking Mitt Romney, I learned more about Mormonism. Oh, People yeah, would yeah, call yeah, me yeah. up, and I'd, and I'd say, listen, I was a delegate. I'd been voted in, so I was, you know, I was taking it seriously. I'm like, sure. yeah, I'll listen to what you have to say, right? Yeah. To a degree. <laughs> yeah. They started telling me about the Mormons, and I'd go, all right, so do you want me to present this on the convention floor? Yeah, what, right. What's your goal here? Yeah. I you should, know they don't drink coffee, right? <laughs> right. No, yeah. it was, they always oh, amazing. I would I'm never, sure it was something I else. The, oh, I know. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. But and, it was just, just crazy stuff, yeah. and I said, look, I don't get any of that from Mitt Romney. I'm like, no. I do agree that the, um, the special underwear is kind of interesting, but it's not the reason I wouldn't vote for the man. Yeah. I have questions. Does he wear it at the beach? I don't know. But no. it's his religion. I mean, it's not, I wore a scapula when I was a child, you know? I mean, people sure. wear different things, different religions, things sure. like that, right? Uh, anyway, the um, when I'd leave the room, I'd think, by the way, you guys know I'm a Catholic, right? <laughs> <laughs> Prepare right. to te tear me apart. Right. <clears throat> so anyway, but that was an interesting convention. There was John Lakian who's since disappeared. John Lakey was his richest Mitt Romney. And um, they had dueling parties. They'd invite John on boats, all kinds of stuff. I mean, it was really fun to be a delegate that year. Then turns out Lakey had some not-so-honest credentials, education-wise. He'd been very successful in business, but maybe he'd bought a degree here or two, something like that. I forget the details. There was another guy. He was a Georgia minister. He was because he was going to run against Ted Kennedy, so he'd done direct mail. He'd raised a million dollars, Marcus, huh. with no hope of ever winning. Yeah, no hope of even getting on the ballot. But he had a million dollars in direct mail. She had guys That's incredible. Like that. Yeah, there was a lot of that stuff. Um, that was, and then Romney got the nomination, only to lose. But that was a scare for Ted Kennedy and his people. Yeah. That was Especially in 94. It really was. 94 is tough. It was tough for Republicans. So was it Tom Foley who lost, right? That was a big year. Yeah. Tom Foley, the sitting Speaker of the House. He lost the re-election. That's why, I mean, I think the Republicans are going to do very well this year. That's what they're saying. But I have to say this. 
It doesn't feel like 94. No. I was there. No. I was there. It doesn't feel like it. You don't have the... Yeah, no. There's no, no Newt Gingrich. Kevin McCarthy is not Newt Gingrich. Newt Gingrich was the keynote at the Republican convention that year. Yeah. He was great. Yeah, and he... Um, not only that, he... You know, it just... The, the, the Republicans were running... I mean, it kind of speaks to there's no Newt Gingrich. They were running better candidates back then than, let's say, a so Dr. Oz. What... Or Blake What Masters. Gingrich had done... What Gingrich had done, Marcus, is he had created this... What's called Go Pack, and they trained grassroots Republicans. They put out videotapes, audio tapes, everything. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you were a candidate or an activist, you just called up. They advertised it everywhere. I don't even think you need you needed a recommendation. I forget. They would send you boxes of stuff, videotapes on how to fundraise, how to campaign, yeah. how to handle the media, how to talk like a candidate. Right. He had been doing this for years. So by the time 94 came about, he wanted to do it in 92, but it didn't, didn't work. When 94 came about, he had this grassroots, as you point out, of really good candidates. People who had been going to school in their living room, all right? right? And then later on got coached up and had the Washington, all that stuff going on. But you had Gingrich had built this army around the country. I got to say, with the, even the Federalist Society stuff and and this the go pack and redistricting even the republicans are so much better at playing the long game than the democrats are and they have been over, at least over the last like 50 or so years you know i i think if you least. leave massachusetts yeah if you leave massachusetts <laughs> right. right but right. even even here i mean even here if if they hadn't um i don't know if uh if they hadn't even here, they're shooting themselves in the foot here because baker probably wins re-election yes right uh, I don't even know if Healy runs if Baker is is running. I don't think she would have. I think she held off on purpose not to. Well, run. there's a reason she's you know telling saying he's done a, a good job and right. all of that. And you right. don't run against people that you say you've you, they've done a good job. So I don't even know if she runs. She might be running for a third attorney general term. She might go to the private sector. She might be doing something else besides right. besides um, besides running for governor. So now she's on the fast track to the White House. I mean, it's amazing. She yes, yeah, she very well could be. It's amazing how much. Politics revolves around a few little things. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if yeah. you're in pol political life, if you're a candidate, you've got to be ready to run. Yep. Right? If you look, to make it local, look at Ian Abreu. Yeah. Ian Abreu is ready should he decide he wants to do something else. Yeah. He's raising money. Yep. All the time. Yeah. He's raising money. He's making a presence. He's <laughs> back to all of the correct candidates in the primary right, right. you know he, right. he's he's done a good he's done a good job in positioning himself to he works again. very hard at constituent service yes you too. cannot I, I will tell you you can't there's very few people that can hold a candle he's holding halloween parties he had one today his they, the that's halloween right down the south end that's yeah, right with the, the fireplace yep yep that stuff kills um he just is ready yeah should he should an opportunity open up for something for him yeah there are other people who you watch him and you go, geez, that guy could make a move. But you go, no, he's not ready. I right. mean, in politics, something can change in an instant. As an example, we talk about it here quite a bit. Obviously, Healy's going to be the next governor. Should she tap our mayor to be a part of her cabinet? Yeah. You're going to have a major shuffle. Yeah, that's going to be uh, that's going to be actually chaotic because 
special election for mayor. There's going to be a city council vote and who's going to be the president or who's going to be the next mayor. Uh, then if it's like, let's say Tony Cabral wins a seat, then there's going to be a special election for, for, um, uh, house seat. the, yeah, the house seat that he, that he vacates. And then let's say that person who wins that seat is a city councilor. Then there is an open seat in the city council, right. which they may decide to take on like sometime, like in the fall or something like that. Or, or they, or if it's a councilor at large, like Ian or somebody else or Shane or someone else, they actually can appoint a new counselor. They have the, the power to do that. So it's and quite al- a thing. And also, Marcus, way back, going back to, since we're playing the Wayback Machine, in 1990, when Bill Weld got elected governor, he also brought a lot of Republican senators and reps in with him, okay? But over the years, many of them decided they didn't want to be in the Senate or the rep, or be a rep anymore, and they moved over to the Weld administration, okay? Yeah. Opening up seats in this in the legislature, you very well could see Healy gets elected, and guys from the Senate or the House who say, "I really don't want to do this anymore. I I, I could be a cabinet secretary, right? Yeah, or a, or a, a below that, right? Yeah. So you may see, I'll or even f- just an administrator. You don't have to even be a secretary. Even just an administrator in that, in right? That, yeah, you know, regional director. You, you know. could have, or a president of a college, one of the college, any any number of things. Yeah. Freeing up a Senate seat. Yeah. Right. I mean, you really, the musical chairs could be incredible very quickly in this area in Bristol County. Because again, Bristol County has a lot of senators. I think we have more senators than people realize we do. Yeah, we do. We have a lot of senators. We've got uh, Mark Pacheco, who's actually going to call in sometime this week. We got Mark Pacheco. We got Mark Montigny. We've got too many Marks, actually. We've got got Mark Pacheco, Mark Montigny, Mike Rodericks. We've got Paul Feeney. Um, that's just off the top of my head. I call him Mark Rogers. Yeah, uh, Becca Roush, I believe. Yes. So, um, yeah. One of the Timultys, I believe, as well as... One of the Timultys, yeah. So got a little top of Bristol County. Yep. We've got um, the Attleboro Feeney. Feeney and... and, uh, and um, Ra- Ra- Becca Roush, who's up in Needham, but her district went down to Attleboro. Right. That, I think, has since changed. Okay. But I'm not sure what to. I know Mark Pacheco's district changed. He's got... He's over here to Plymouth County. Well, he's, he's always been there. Oh, that's right. That's right. He's always been there. He's got Marion Wareham. Yes. Uh, but he has now, I believe, Rehoboth and some uh, somewhere else. That's a lot of territory. Dighton and Rehoboth or something. It's a lot. It's a lot that's of... A lot. That's a lot of territory. Hey, let's take this break, actually. We got we to gotta take a break. Listen to us live. So, Marcus, we um, we had our debate tonight. Again, folks, if you missed it, you can check out the, the, the podcast um, for Plymouth County. It's up on Apple, Spotify, anywhere podcasts are offered. Uh, I don't see it on our website yet, but it will be soon. And I think it's definitely worth your time. Even if you don't live in Bristol County, I mean, if you don't live in Plymouth County, I do think it's worth your time because um, they're both very interesting candidates and there's something there for everybody. Or something that make everybody mad, whichever, because um, they're ve- they're diametrically opposed, but they're both very well spoken, very nice guys. Neither of them are wild eyed radicals, um, at least in their disposition. So, um, Marcus, we have election day tomorrow. People don't people not might not realize yeah, that. right. They can go vote tomorrow. They can vote early up until the fourth. Right. Go vote. Uh, yeah. Do it. Well, the thing is, I think if you're listening, you're already probably voting, but tell someone else to. That's, I think, a 
really important. Take someone with you. Or, 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 yeah, I think one of the other important things is go vote now just in case. Right. So I talked to people about this. I, I, I was looking, I, I was sharing some of this with you when I was, we were talking out the air. <clears throat> I was looking at the early voting statistics of the past. Not this year. I haven't seen this year yet. But in years past, an example, Plymouth County, overwhelmingly, big chunks of it vote. Like, yeah. I'm talking over 30% in some areas. Some close to 40%, like Mattapoise, 36%. Right. Uh, Cohasset, places like that. Whereas the cities, like Brockton or, or on this side, New Bedford, are really at about 5 or 6 7%, something like that. Right. It's very interesting. Yeah, it, it is. I wonder why... Um I don't know. Maybe it's just there's better voter participation. People might be more civic minded out there, out there than maybe in other uh, other areas. Maybe the affluence of of the I think Plymouth County I would probably say has uh, a bit more affluence than Bristol it's, County. It's, a, it's a, well, it certainly is a, a more affluent county. County I would agree yeah. with you, Marcus. Because you got the South Shore communities and all yeah, that. Yeah, you've got a lot of it, right? Um, the um, we do know New Bedford doesn't have great turnout numbers. No matter how you how you look at yeah, it, yeah, it's started to get worse over the last few years. Right, it know? really has, like um, a lot worse, a lot worse. Yeah, so we'll have to get it. Like, there's something happened, and then the the numbers just started to tank. Right, so there should not be the difference between Fairhaven and New Bedford that there is. Yeah, New Bedford shouldn't have the fifth lowest turnout in the entire state. Right, and that's just like some of that has to do with with I think like leadership. You know? It has to. So. It's something we're definitely going to get down to, uh, going to get to the bottom to after the uh, election's over when we yes. have clearer skies. Hey, let's let's take a break. Our um, third hour, we're taking your calls if you want to give us a call, or um, we'll just hang. Hey, Marcus, Powerball is one billion dollars tonight. Oh, go ahead, get me out of here. People can still go get their <laughs> I'm tickets. Just kidding. One billion. I'll still do the show if I win. So, all right, stay tuned. <laughs> 